0: This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello everyone, welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Glad to be back on, hope everybody's doing well. Um, topics for discussion tonight include uh, NFL, the NFL draft just concluding this past weekend. Um, some, uh, a whole bunch of guys obviously finding their new homes at the next level um via being drafted and then um being signed to rookie camp, signing to training camp roster, whatever it may be. Um so that that really cool things going on there. Um Big 12 news. Um and then obviously there's uh, some crazy things going on in the transfer portal and the NIL world, so definitely we'll touch on that. Um my coach's corner segment I'm going to have Mark uh, be talking about Miami head coach Mario Cristobal and then the armchair quarterback segment I'm going to be ranking the quarterbacks for the AAC the American Athletic Conference so uh, it'd be interesting just there's some other things too that I'm going to bring up but I'm going to start off with the big 12 and the news coming out last week of uh, Cincinnati uh, BYU UCF and uh, the likes that the they're mo- they will be moving to uh, the Big 12 Conference for the 23 academic year, Houston as well, sorry. But they will be moving to the Big 12 in 2023, which leads to potentially there being a 14-team Big 12 Conference with Oklahoma and Texas probably not being able to leave for the SEC until 2025. So... It'll be be an interesting stretch there where there could be a two-year gap with 14 teams in the conference just to see what they'll do from a scheduling standpoint uh, because the Big 12 prides themselves on playing everybody in the conference. Obviously, with a 14-team conference, you're not going to be able to do that. So that'll be interesting to see what they do there. And then I brought this up during the going into the bowl season around conference championship time, um, if it was in the Big 12's best interest or if the Big 12 didn't necessarily want Oklahoma representing them um, since they're leaving. Um, I know there was a lot of people up in arms when Oklahoma and Oklahoma State played towards the end of the year there, um, and Oklahoma State came away victorious, but there was a lot of people up in arms about the officiating in that game and could the officiating been an issue, and be the reason why Oklahoma was not in the Big 12 championship game? Um, just, just an interesting thing to think about. I, I don't ever want to question um, officiating. Um, you always want, you always hope for the game being as. As Well-played and as fair as possible from from all sides. So I you you hope that that's not the case but it's something you think about um, just because uh, of the world we live in but It'll be interesting. Like I said interesting to see what will happen there and and I'm actually a fan of the new Big 12 I know I know they're They've taken their shots for I mean obviously you lose Texas and Oklahoma you're losing the two big name brands from your league. But adding Houston in that market, I mean, it's the fourth, fourth biggest city in the United States. It's a huge deal to add that market. You're adding Cincinnati. Who's coming off of a, a college football playoff appearance and who fared just as well as any team. The big 12 has ever fared in the college football playoff. If we're being honest. Um, then you add BYU who's up and coming, um, doing some really good things there. in UCF, I mean, just a couple years ago they went undefeated and they've had great success since that point. And you're adding a Florida school to your conference, so it's it's a big deal. So, um, like I said, I'm a big fan of what that league is turning to. I'm interested to see if they're going to break it down into like a divisions aspect. Uh, I just think it would make sense to do it that way, but it'll be interesting to see what they do there obviously time will tell with that but uh but we'll see and speaking of the current big 12 uh, the university of texas had their spring game a, couple, a week or so ago a couple weeks ago but uh it, it was very weird to see uh gary patterson in burnt orange um <laughs> those who don't know obviously gary patterson was the head coach at tcu for 25 or so years um so Leaves his rival, and uh, well, he, re- he they came to a, I guess you could say, mutual agreement for him to part ways um, and leave TCU. But now he is helping uh, the staff and Sarkeesian at uh, Texas. So interesting there. I mean, I, I completely understand why you would want somebody like Gary Patterson on your staff because of the wealth of knowledge he brings, um, just the level of elite defensive elite defenses that he produced year in year out at TCU and the mind that he has on the defensive side of the ball and just football in general so I mean I completely get why you would ask for ask him to be a part of it um, just to be an aid just because he's been there and done that obviously as a coach and um, you, you obviously want guys like that in your corner so I mean I get it but it doesn't mean it doesn't look weird seeing him in burnt orange. So that was a uh, that was interesting to see for the first time. Um, but nonetheless, um, one thing one thing very very intriguing about the NFL draft. Um, obviously, so many guys getting to live out their dream, and you love to see that and and. Uh, b- it's it's always cool to see the guys get to go up on stage, shake the commissioner's hand, and they're celebrating with their families and everything. Um, but obviously, not every player can do that. There's a ton of guys just in the past day or so that have been signed to uh, either training camp rosters or rookie camp rosters. So hopefully, those guys are going to some of those guys will be able to find a way to stick on rosters, and that's that's how you got to do it. But one name in particular that that until <clears throat> until mid afternoon today hadn't been picked up shockingly was Clemson wide receiver Justin Ross. And now Justin Ross, as a freshman, had 10 touchdowns. I mean, he was unbelievable. Then he he had some very serious injuries um, with his neck and spine. Um, to the point where he couldn't play football, and to the point where uh, doctors were saying he would never be able to play football again. Um, this past year, he was able to come back and play, which I know all of us as fans were super excited to see, just because of how great of a player that he is. Um, but he was at all the projections that I had seen of him was. A third round pick, third fourth round pick. So third and fourth round comes, he's not drafted. You're thinking, okay, obviously he's got a little bit of it. he's got an injury history. So you're wondering, like, okay, is he going to slide? And then he goes undrafted um, to to not even be able, not even being signed on the first day of the rookie camp roster signing. So everybody was really scratching their head, and it it, it led to me thinking was did clemson risk irreversible damage to him as a player just just to get him on the field and potentially win some games now i don't think the nfl would ever chance that so obviously with him signing with the kansas city chiefs this afternoon that leads that gets rid of that thought that I had but that 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 is what I initially thought like this was a young man who was on draft boards and, and, and if his and if his medical issues were as bad and as big of a question as it seems that some of these NFL franchises had how was he not medically disqualified at Clemson obviously he was on the field the second half of the year last year playing. Thank goodness he was healthy and nothing bad happened. But you you hate to you hate to think of a coach or a program putting a player's health and well-being and safety ahead of anything. Obviously, the young man is gonna want to play. Any any player, anybody who's ever played sports at a high level and is injured is going to tell their coaches, trainers, staffs, everyone, I want to play, no matter what. Everyone's going to do that. Now, it's up to those doctors and medical people then that have the authority and have the knowledge to then sit there and say, young man, young lady, you are really risking something. And if that was the... Like I said, my initial thought turned to that. Where, if okay, if he was... if he was okay enough to play at Clemson, but these NFL teams don't think he's okay enough, what was Clemson doing? Luckily, my my thoughts now are shifting with his signing. So happy to see that, but still something I felt like I needed to discuss because it was it's kind of a crazy thing to think about. I mean, with Dabo Sweeney, the head coach of Clemson, is always. Portrayed as being Someone who is very Players first um, Always thinking about the players But then in this In this Instance it got me thinking of something else uh, Thank goodness Everyone's Safety and well being is okay And Justin Ross hopefully can go on And show everybody and prove everybody wrong That he should have been drafted And, and we'll have a good career. I mean, he's in a really, really good spot with the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously with Patrick Mahomes, you're in good hands, but uh, nonetheless uh, that, uh, it was just an interesting thing that I got thinking about and uh, I'm, I'm glad that it seems like I'm wrong with my thinking there. Um, next thing, an- another interesting thing today uh, in the transfer portal for the Yukon Huskies adding Jack Stewart Defensive tackle transferring him from Michigan he's a home. He's a hometown, Connecticut guy um, so But it's a big deal because this is a three-star guy coming out of high school goes to the University of Michigan um, Doesn't really get to play at Michigan, but nonetheless uh, For the Yukon Husties to get a guy like that is a huge huge deal and uh, Really really excited to see that moving forward obviously UConn and Michigan play this year so that'll be interesting to see Um, looking forward to going to that Um, as I've said before that is going to be an interesting game for me growing up as a Michigan fan my whole life to now with my partnership with sidelines UConn um, cheering for the Huskies now as well so it'll be an interesting interesting thing but this is a huge huge get for, for UConn. To get somebody at this level, um, obviously a P5, high power P5 transfer is always a big deal. So you look at you look at some of the guys that they've gotten to come in. They've got a quarterback from Penn State coming in. I mean you, you can go down the list. There's a quarterback who was at Oregon originally. Um, you got you got a linebacker from Kentucky, a linebacker who was at Michigan State and Texas Tech coming in. There's just things are looking up for the Huskies, and I will continue to To pump them up as much as I can uh, just because of the great things that are going on there Uh, Another interesting ad in the transfer portal the rich get continue to get richer in Alabama's case Alabama adds Louisville uh, transfer wide receiver Tyler Harrell um, Just just because they need another uh, track star and great player on the outside as a receiver he averaged 29 yards per catch last year for louisville um so malik cunningham who i'm very high on from louisville if you listened to last uh the last podcast episode in my armchair quarterback segment i had him ranked very high on my acc quarterback list um and tyler harrell helps that but obviously he's gone from louisville he's now bryce young's friend so uh Like I said, the rich continue to get richer, just what Alabama needs. But now let's segue into a big-time discussion with NIL and the Transfer Portal. And I I think if you're a college football fan you haven't heard this, what I'm going to be talking about here, you kind of live under a rock. But uh, Jordan Addison from Pittsburgh, obviously – Blitnikoff Award winner last year, best wide receiver in the country. Has to return um, because he was still an underclassman when he won. So he's coming back to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, of course, Power 5 program in the ACC, but not at the level of some of these marquee big-name SEC or – big 10 or blue bloods on the west coast whatever it may be who could potentially offer some ridiculous sum of money via nil so i mean as of now i mean the the transfer portal cutoff um for guys entering was yesterday but there's still a two-day grace period for the compliance people to uh to get people's names entered to check eligibility and do all that, do everything they need to do from there. But as of now, Jordan Addison is not in the transfer portal. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully that stays the case because I want him to return to Pittsburgh. I want him to fulfill that commitment he made to the Panthers and to get them back to being the ACC champs. I, I, I hope, I hope he does. it. I hope they do it. I mean, He's got a really good shot. He's obviously a fantastic football player. But he's got Keaton Slovis to throw him the ball. So, I mean, he's not losing much from Kenny Pickett to Keaton Slovis, in my opinion. But all the rumors circulating, obviously, with teams around him and NIL money that can be offered him. Um, USC, obviously, has been the one in the news that has really taken hold with astronomical dollar amounts in different, different things. Um, The, I, I've, I even read as much as $8 million um, for him to come there, which I, I I think that's a drastic exaggeration on money because I mean, he would go to the NFL and he's not going to make that much. So, um, I I think the rumor of him receiving three million, around the three million range, maybe a little over that. I th- I feel like that's more in the realm. Uh, I've also heard a house in Southern California from the boosters, um, and then a vehicle, obviously with that. But but what that leads to, if if he's if he gets that type of deal, a three million plus deal, a house, a car, I mean, you think of. You think of what that leads to, like a second-round pick. That's more money than a second-round pick in the NFL draft will get per year. Um, And it's on par with what uh, Kenny Pickett, his quarterback, from Pitt last year, who was the 20th pick in the draft this year by the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's on par with what he will make next year. So you're looking at... You're looking at that, and it just, it's just head-scratching to think that <clears throat> this young man is going to be <clears throat> a college football player and be making more money than the pros. Now, there's always that running joke from years and years of college sports where so-and-so took a pay cut to go play pro sports. There There's always been that running joke, but – with these nil deals now that could really be the case for some of these guys and it just it it really it really makes you think okay what can we do to fix this and and at first at first i was i was starting to get upset with the whole niu and nil market and all that but then i i got thinking talking to some other people like it's a free market like these guys are able to get, these guys and gals in college sports, whatever their market value is, is what they should be paid. That's what I've always felt with professional athletes too. I never complain about a professional athlete making too much money. Whatever the market value says is that is what that athlete should be paid, is what they should be paid. Because obviously as fans, we are going to continue to support them and the franchise and the sport that they play with our money and everything else that goes along with that. So I've never been somebody to complain about athletes getting paid too much. So then when I was sitting there thinking like, why, why am I getting upset with the NIL money? That's not the issue because players are going to get paid what they're going to get paid. The issue is the transfer portal. And the other issue is some of these coaches that are scumbags and get in and break ethical uh, boundaries and different things. Now, I will say these coaches are doing what they're allowed to do to a point to a point. Now, obviously, if a young man is not in the transfer portal, you should not be talking to him because he is committed to another school, to another program. He's theirs. You should not be talking to him. Now, of course, there's ways around that. I'm like going back to my time as a basketball coach, you talk to AAU coaches, you talk to you, you there's many ways to get around it. And and all these coaches know how to do it. But so I, I so I go into you you look at USC here in, in this circumstance and And I don't want to just beat on USC with this because there's other programs that were linked to him as well. Like Kentucky, I heard offered him $800,000. I've heard other programs too. So it's not just USC. It's just this is the main story being Southern California. Um, And and I think we all kind of saw this coming with a school like USC being in Los Angeles, being in Southern California being in LA, Hollywood, everything that goes along with being in and around that environment, I think we all knew what could happen and it's just coming to light probably a lot quicker than we all thought. So, like I said, at first I was upset with the NIL stuff. And then I got to thinking like I like I said, like I don't that's not the issue. Guys are going to get paid what they're going to get paid. And there's not really anything that we can do about that because this is a free market society and that's what, that's what it'll be. Uh, the thing that we have to stop, though, and I'm not saying you don't stop the transfer portal. I'm a fan of the transfer portal and giving kids the one opportunity to transfer and play immediately. I'm a fan of that. What I don't like, like what I was getting to, is coaches talking and communicating with guys and with players that are not even in the transfer portal. That's why this situation here with Addison doesn't sit well with me because me as a former coach, albeit in a different sport, and a coach who did things the right way. I've worked for coaches who didn't do things the right way, and that's why I stopped working for them. But you still – the rules are the rules, so in this case lincoln riley and his staff should not be communicating with addison in any way because he's not in the transfer portal so it it just it doesn't sit well with me that, that this is allowed and that this can happen this is the part that needs to be regulated is the transfer portal aspect and, and I know it's brand new. So that's why it's going to take some time to get things to kind of where we want and need them to be. But with NIL being what it is, it's going to continue to be an issue. But the issue is the transfer portal, not NIL. And my first thinking was opposite until I sat down, thought about it, and talked to some people. So hopefully this whole discussion with Addison is is nothing because he still isn't any even in the transfer portal we'll know by tomorrow late tomorrow if he actually is in the portal for sure because of the paperwork and the delay in the paperwork that's going on there's still gonna be names dropping into the portal tomorrow and tomorrow night because of that whole process they give like I said they give the compliance people two extra days to make sure everything's good on their end so again hopefully this isn't even anything that we need to discuss or worry about but just still craziness in uh, in the world of college football when it comes to that so now the next thing i'm going to talk about i'm going to go into my armchair quarterback segment with the american athletic conference Um, coming off of a fantastic season obviously with cincinnati going to the college football playoff now cincinnati had nine guys drafted this past weekend one of them being their star quarterback desmond ritter so somebody's going to be uh, taking his place and it is a familiar face for cincinnati fans as somebody who transferred out and now has transferred back in, um, so it'll be interesting to see there. But I'm going to start on the bottom of my list here. There are 11 teams in the AAC. I think it's going to be very apparent who number 11 will be, just because of the system that they play. And number 11 on my list is Ty Lavate from Navy. And I, I think it's very apparent why he would be at the bottom of the list because Navy runs the triple option. He's obviously asked to do a lot a lot more different things than almost any other quarterback in America that doesn't play at Army or Air Force. So, um, But he, you look at his passing numbers last year, 449 yards and five touchdowns, and he had seven rushing touchdowns. I mean, he, obviously they're asking him to do much different things, like I said, than any other quarterback. So I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm a wizard of the triple option um, because I'm not. Um, <clears throat> I enjoyed watching Army run the triple option against Wisconsin in person last year. It's pretty amazing to watch and pretty. It's so intricate in what they're doing. Um, very, it, it's just impressive. So it's nothing. It's nothing against the young man as a passer or has a football player it's just the system that he plays in and what they do. So that's what that leads to. Number 10 on my list, uh Dewan Mathis from Temple. Now Mathis transferred into to Temple from Georgia. So he's got he's got the pedigree to be a very good quarterback. Obviously Temple last year had a ton of issues and it stemmed from the top down coaching so many so many issues there. Um, they've changed staffs. Hopefully that will help tremendously They've had a really good success in the transfer portal this offseason um, Getting some guys around him that will really help But in his freshman year, he threw for 1,223 yards and six touchdowns Again, they did not have much success at all But it there were a plethora of issues there So He's at number 10 on my list right now, but there is a definite possibility that he could climb up the list just from being in a better environment. Uh, Number 9, Timmy McClain from South Florida. And again, this is a guy as well who could climb up the list because he was a freshman last year, threw for 1,888 yards, five touchdowns, had four rushing touchdowns, and kind of came on towards the end of the year as did South Florida a little bit. And South Florida is kind of a trendy pick right now to to, to to maybe make some noise this year. I don't know if it's necessarily this year, but they're definitely building. Um, their head coach has done a great job uh, recruiting, and things are going to turn around for that program. They're getting ready to build an on, on-campus stadium. They're going to stop using Raymond James Stadium where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers play. They're going to have an on-campus stadium Stadium practice facility everything so things are looking up for that program and I really feel Timmy McClain He played he played well at the end of the year like I said So I feel like he's trending up as well and he's another guy that could that could really make a move on this list number eight two lanes Michael Pratt Uh, another Another young guy freshman who threw for two thousand three hundred eighty one yards 21 touchdowns had five rushing touchdowns he didn't start uh until about halfway through the season um tulane definitely did not have the season that we all thought they were going to have when they played oklahoma the first game of the year they almost beat oklahoma at oklahoma and everybody's thinking oh man this tulane team's going to be amazing then they only win two games so a very very perplexing situation there um just to see what happens there, but you see in succession here three freshmen and, and there's from from last year, and there's about to be another one in number seven, but there were some young guys here playing in this conference who did some really good things. and I'll get to number seven now. It's UCF, Central Florida's uh, Mickey Keene who who had a very good season after stepping in for Dylan Gabriel after his injury uh threw for 1,730 yards, 17 touchdowns. I mean, very, very productive season for a freshman. Uh, he's got a he's got a couple transfers coming in that are going to challenge him. And John Rees Plumley from uh, uh, from Ole Miss, er, and then uh, Joey Gatewood from Kentucky. So I mean, he's got he's got a couple guys coming in to challenge him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see the route that they go there, but I just feel like the production he had last year is gonna continue to keep him that job. Now five six five and six, I was it was kind of a toss-up, so I could go back and forth with these guys. But with six, I end up going with Tulsa's Davis, Brim. Um had a very productive season last year 3,254 yards and 18 touchdowns i mean anytime you throw for over 3,000 yards you're doing something right and i probably could have even put him higher on the list too but i'm high on the top four guys in this conference so nothing nothing against him at all he had a very productive year took the team to a bowl game um so I expect good things again from Tulsa. Number five, I put Memphis, Seth uh, Hennigan. He's another guy had a really, really productive season, 3,322 yards and 25 touchdowns. Um, Memphis was another kind of perplexing team last year as they had to fight at the end to make bowl eligibility, which is always weird for Memphis because Memphis is always right up there in the aac standings and they just weren't there last year but nonetheless still got them there did what they needed to do now the guy i'm going to have at number four might be somebody that some people will question but this is somebody who i saw in person twice last year for eastern michigan um is ben bryant who is now back at cincinnati he was originally at cincinnati he transferred to eastern michigan now he's back came back to cincinnati As a grad transfer Um, Very very productive season last year for eastern michigan Uh, 3,121 yards 14 touchdowns took him to a bowl game He has really good pop on the ball when he throws it And he's going to have a plethora of playmakers around him at cincinnati To be successful so I think he's going to do really, really well coming back in, and I—I I don't know if Cincinnati. I mean, he's not Desmond Ritter. Let's let's say that, but I don't think Cincinnati's going to miss. A, they're they're not going to be off as much as people think. They're still going to be very, very good. <clears throat> Number three, I went with East Carolina's Holton Ehlers, who. Through for 3,126 yards, 18 touchdowns, six rushing touchdowns. Now, I really feel like East Carolina is a team next year <clears throat> that could really make some noise in this conference and kind of turn the, turn the table of where they've been the past couple years. And Allers is one of the main reasons why, because he's been so productive in his time at East Carolina, and I think he will continue to do that. Number two on my list, uh, the guy who's always going to have eye-popping numbers because of the system he plays in at SMU is Tanner Mordecai. Threw for almost 3,700 yards and 39 touchdowns last year. Those numbers will increase with his knowledge, with his continued knowledge and growth in the offense. And uh, I mean, the sky's the limit you could get four thousand yards and 45 maybe even 50 touchdowns in that offense so he's gonna have amazing numbers but the number one quarterback in the conference and and i don't even really think it's up for debate this year um like last year with desmond ritter at cincinnati but the number one guy is clayton toon at houston um i think it's like i said i don't even think it's a debate um 3,546 yards passing and 30 touchdowns um, the whole houston team this coming year houston could be very 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 good and they could be that they, they're definitely the odds-on favorite right now to be the group of five team going to a new year's six bowl um, just with everything they have back and tune is a huge reason why um just They're loaded. I mean, from top to bottom, they're loaded. And this is a guy who's got a very, very good chance to be a high NFL draft pick next year um, just because of the things he can do. Uh, Like, he's going to put up amazing numbers and do amazing things. And uh, he's, like I said, he's the clear number one guy in the AAC for quarterbacks. So I'd love to hear you guys' opinions there. I think – the guys I put on the bottom of my list are all younger and could really climb up the list. I I think it's 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 a it, it, the league is a lot more open this year than it was last year. I think Cincinnati was the clear-cut no questions asked favorite. As and I mean Houston's definitely the favorite this year. But I, I like I said, I, last year I had Cincinnati making the college football playoff in my preseason rankings, and that came true. So that just tells you how good Cincinnati was. And that doesn't mean they weren't challenged in the league. They were definitely challenged by multiple teams. But it's it's not going to be to that level this year. <clears throat> so to finish the show, now I'm going to go into my Coach's Corner segment and talk about a uh, coach and program program. Who I know a lot of people are extremely high on. Uh, I am for the future. Maybe not as much next year as much as a lot of people are. But Mario Cristobal in the University of Miami. Obviously it is a match made in heaven. He is a, he went to Miami, played at Miami. um, Played professional football out of the University of Miami. Um, obviously has done very well for himself in the coaching profession uh, with his rise. Um, he started his coaching career at Miami as a GA, went on to Rutgers as a as an offensive tackle and tight end coach, then became the O-line coach, then he went back to Miami at, with those same positions, tight end and O-line, and from there in 2007 to 2012, He got the head coaching job at fiu and he was the sunbelt coach of the year in 2010 which at fiu i think we've all seen that is an extremely difficult job just because of the resources and the money that uh doesn't seem to be produced for the program but he had amazing success there Um, then went on um, became the assistant head coach at alabama after his time at fiu um, became the offensive coordinator at Oregon. Then he became the head coach at Oregon after after the uh, Chip Kelly left. So he had really good success there. <clears throat> Actually, no, he wasn't after Chip Kelly. He was he was after the whole the whole other debacle before that. Um, went to Oregon, and now he is the head coach at his alma mater. So obviously, big things are expected. He won two Pac twelve titles, uh, two Pac twelve North titles, won a Sun Belt title. He was the AP Coach Pac twelve Coach of the Year in twenty nineteen, um, and he's known f- as obviously being a fantastic recruiter. Which, being from Miami, at Miami. Lead could lead to some amazing things, and and it already has. If you look at their recruiting cycle this year, he kind of got the job a little late, um, but they have, according to twenty four seven sports, third best recruiting class in the ACC and thirteenth overall, which is pretty amazing, considering how late he came on. But I mean, you look at you look at the guys they have coming in, you know that they're going to have. Those South, Florida, those South Florida guys, um, of course, sprinkling in some other guys from the South. Um, but you look at the transfer portal is where they did really, really well. Um, adding a defensive lineman from Maryland, uh, Caleb Johnson, linebacker from UCLA, is going to be huge for them. Uh, defensive lineman from West Virginia, uh, offensive lineman from Oregon. Defensive lineman from UCLA, corner from West Virginia, um, another offensive lineman from Oregon, edge rusher from UAB, running back from Ole Miss, and Henry Parrish, who could really do some good things for them, uh, wide receiver from Clemson, and another defensive lineman from USC. So they're obviously adding a ton in the trenches from the portal perspective um, and you already know with his with his pedigree wh- what it could lead to for the future and uh, 2023 is already looking very very promising for the miami hurricanes on the recruiting on the recruiting end um, so the, the the sky's the limit for mario cristobal and what he's going to be able to do at the University of Miami, were recruiting. I mean, it, it legitimately could be. It could get crazy. I mean, you look at right now. <clears throat> they they have a top twenty-five recruiting class right now. Obviously, it's very early in that process, so it be. It, it's going to be. Get, it's going to get really, really interesting. So. Looking, in, looking at what they did last year, um, they went 7-5, and 5-3 five, five and three in the conference. They did pretty well in the conference. Um, they lost their first game against Alabama. Uh, got destroyed. Wasn't even close. Uh, turned around, beat a very good App State team by two. I watched that game. Uh, then I obviously watched the next game against Michigan State where they were throttled. Beat Central Connecticut State like they should have. And then they lost at home to Virginia on a week on a Thursday night, and it looked like rock bottom after that. Then they turned around and lost a couple weeks later to North Carolina. So they were they're sitting at two and four at this point and looking at a season just collapsing. Then they beat a very good NC state team. They win at Pittsburgh, beat Georgia Tech to go on a three game losing streak, lose at Florida State. Beat Virginia Tech, win at Duke, and then obviously they were unable to compete in their bowl game uh, for COVID purposes. But they turned their season around last year when it could have been it could have gotten really dicey. Um, so kudos to them for that. Then you look at their upcoming schedule for this year. They get Bethune Cookman, and then Southern Miss, which I know my southern miss following is really excited about that. They go to Texas A&M. I think that that's obviously going to be a really fun game. Host Middle Tennessee, then they jump into ACC play where they play North Carolina, at Virginia Tech, host Duke, at Virginia, host Florida State, at Georgia Tech, at Clemson, and then they host Pitt. So, looking at their ACC schedule, um Going to Virginia Tech, to Virginia, to Clemson, obviously, is tough. Then you host Pitt, Florida State, um, North Carolina. But still, I mean, you you know with the roster that they have and the coaching staff that they have, that this is a team that can compete in the ACC without a doubt. Then you look at their non-conference schedule. I mean, realistically, beat Bethune-Cookman, beat Southern Miss, and beat Middle Tennessee State. I mean, that's – this is the University of Miami. That's what they should do. Southern Miss is much improved, but still, it's Miami. This is what they should do. But looking at that Texas A&M, a Texas A and M game in College Station is is really intriguing to me <clears throat> because Texas A and M is is supposed to be as every other year it seems, but they're supposed to be like in the running this year to make the college football play in the running to compete in the sec west and the sec i'll believe it when i see it obviously they beat alabama last year so the, the pieces are there everything's there but you they just never seem to put it together obviously miami going there is going to be extremely difficult because ryan kyle field is unbelievable um That atmosphere, and you know that the fans are going to be super pumped to be playing Miami and the history that is Miami football and what that means, but uh, it's going to be a great scene there, but this is definitely a Miami team that can compete in the ACC because of having quarterback Tyler Van Dyke back. Now, if you listen to my... Last episode where I was ranking the ACC quarterbacks, you know that I am not as high on him as almost everybody else in the country. Um, now he had a very very productive freshman year, threw for almost three thousand yards, had twenty five touchdowns, only six interceptions, but he is still very young. Um, he's a Connecticut native, um, playing down in Coral Gables, so obviously. A ton, a ton of upside and a ton of talent there with him. But it, and like, and I was very impressed with the wins he was able to string together last year. Beating NC State, winning at Pitt. They beat some good teams last year. And he had a lot to do with that. But I need to now see him go into Kyle Field and do something special there against Texas A&M and see what that leads to. So like I'm like I said kind of going into this into this segment there's no doubt in my mind that this Miami team can go 8 and 4 and be possibly be 5 and 3 in conference again. Um but can they be more than that? I don't necessarily think so. I know that there's a lot of people out there who do. Um but I don't necessarily think that right now. Now there is a definite possibility that in this, in the future, in the very near future, that this team and program could get to the heights, that, maybe not the heights that they were in the eighties, nineties, and two thousands, but this is definitely a program that can compete for ACC titles year in year out and potential college football playoff opportunities um, with Mario Cristobal as the head coach and with his recruiting pedigree. With his pedigree as a coach and winning, I I definitely think that the the sky's the limit in the future. I'm just not as sold going into this year. They have, Like I said, they have an extremely tough schedule. You have to go to Texas A&M. You have to go to Clemson, to Virginia Tech. Um, Just some tough road games there. But that's how I'll end the show tonight. Um, Again, thank you guys so much for all your support, uh, listening. Uh, every week, um, I, I I will kind <clears> of <throat> talk about uh, something something here. Um, recently, I was given the opportunity for uh, some uh, sponsorship for the show. It was with something that I wasn't comfortable with sp- sponsoring me, and I turned it down. Unfortunately, it was just something that didn't. F- what it didn't fit well, it didn't fit with me and uh, the <clears throat> the man that I am. So I decided to go a different route. So uh, it, again, if you if you listen and you know of somebody who would potentially like to partner together in that way, please uh, send them my way. Uh, we can connect personally at Coach underscore B Will, and please follow the podcast Twitter account at TNT College Foot One. Again, guys, thank you so much. Have a good night. God bless.